Hey, welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast where we chronicle the contributions of black people all around the world to luxury fashion. Yes, I know I said the word black a lot, but trust me, it's just that important. I put it in the name of everything. I want you to know that this is a space that celebrates black people, black culture and fashion. It's a black history, but make it fashion. I'm your host, Taniqua Russ, and welcome. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining me. I'm glad to officially call you a friend of the podcast. And if you've been holding it down since episode one, shout out to you. Thank you for the support and you're a real one. So for today's show and moving forward, I'm going to be taking the first couple of minutes of every episode just to show some love to platforms and people out there who are paving the way for black people in fashion and really starting to make a name for themselves. They are today's history makers. You know, they may not have had the credentials that the legends that we talk about in each episode has just yet, but they're definitely well on their way and they're people that... I believe that you should check out who are continuing to make waves in fashion. Our first spotlight goes to the Strut Magazine. The Strut Magazine is a Black-owned, independent online magazine creating community for Black fashionistas who strut for purpose, covering Black fashion culture and the queens who create it. So they cover everything black fashion including designers models and influencers and of course their instagram is fashion inspiration matter of fact it is fashion goals i always go there when i am looking for outfit inspiration when i want to see looks from my favorites or when i want to see who wore what which black celebrity of course wore what at what event They serve as a platform to highlight designers and models and celebrities and influencers who may not get recognition on other mainstream platforms. So I encourage you to check out this strut magazine. You will not be disappointed. And shout out to you guys over at the strut magazine. We love your work and thank you for creating a platform that celebrates black fashion culture. I'm going to interrupt the episode for just a moment just so we can get a quick word from our sponsor, but I promise I'll be back with the black fashion history for the day. So you want to start a podcast, right? I know it can seem really daunting and complicated to have to think through how to record it or how to edit it and even how to upload it. But don't worry about any of that. I'm about to give you the only tool you need to create an A1 top of the line podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even start making money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, to get started today. Now, let's get back into our content. 
If you've ever worn a jersey dress or anything with the draping or an evening gown with a very high split, then you have Scott Berry to thank. Though he wasn't the creator of these things, he definitely put them on the map and he's the reason why people don't look at you like a streetwalker when you wear them outside of the house. He made sexy a very regular occurrence and he will always be referred to as the man who made the jersey mat dress. Scott Berry was born Nelson Clyde Barr in Appalachia, Florida. He came from a family of dressmakers and designers and by the time he was 10 he was already sewing on his grandmother's machine. He said himself in an interview, I practically grew up under that machine, peddling that thing for her. Naturally, by instinct, you pick up basics very early on. His godmother was also a designer who dressed jazz singers Dinah Washington and Sarah Vaughn. He studied at the Philadelphia Museum of College Art in Philadelphia and the Mayor School in New York. Barry always wanted to be a designer and his dream was to make it to 7th Avenue. And back then, 7th Avenue was like the Wall Street of fashion. It's where you go to if you want to do fashion. His mother, however, was not very encouraging and didn't really believe that this was a possibility. She told him blacks don't make it there. Of course, Barry would eventually prove her wrong. I'm going to interrupt the story here for just a moment to get on the soapbox. Let me tell you, representation is important. And this is the reason why. When people don't see others that look like them in positions, they start to believe that they can't make it. And I honestly think that's why Scott Berry's mother said that to him. She had not seen a black designer make it to 7th Avenue. She probably hadn't seen a black person be referred to as a designer because back then they were typically known as dressmakers, which was a bit of a subservient class if you would think about it, um, but it wasn't a respected skill or respected craft. So... She probably thought, boy, you crazy out your head if you think you're going to go up to those white people's New York and make a designer out of yourself on 7th Avenue. But if she would have seen someone that looked like her doing this, she would have had more belief, more confidence, and possibly more encouraging words for her son. Guys, don't take it lightly what it means to show your face and to show your success. There are literally people looking out in these different industries, searching for someone to look like them. They're searching because they want to know if they can make it. And if they don't see you succeed, if they don't even see you working at it, their immediate thought is that, oh, I probably can't do it. No one like me has done it. And in this year, of our Lord 2019 where we're still getting first blacks to do things it's so 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 important for us to show our journey so those that are coming up after us can have the encouragement and the motivation to go after their dreams so if you have a dream or a purpose on your heart and I hate to preach but I think you need to hear this if you have a dream in your heart and you haven't seen anyone do it yet 
or you haven't seen anyone that looks like you do it yet, go after it anyway and document that. Put up pictures on Instagram of the good days and the bad days. Put up YouTube videos, create a podcast and talk about it. I just showed you how to do that with Anchor. Uh, Do everything you can to document it so that people can see that yes, it's possible. Yes, I can do this and that will in turn motivate and encourage them. And for those of you who are feeling discouraged because you're looking out into your industry and you don't see anyone that looks like you, please don't let that deter you from achieving your goals. Go after it. You be the one that takes the road less traveled. Be the way maker. Pave the road for somebody else. Don't get in the way of your destiny just because you haven't seen that representation. Be that representation. In spite of those discouraging words from his mom, Scott Berry moved to New York in 1962 where he started cutting and sewing his soon-to-be-famous jersey dresses in his apartment with a makeshift cutting table and a domestic sewing machine. He supported himself with a series of jobs on 7th Avenue while he apprenticed under veteran black designer Arthur McGee, who was another designer that paved the way for black people in the fashion industry. His first orders for his clothing were from small independent boutiques, but later on, prestigious high-end luxury stores started getting wind of his work, uh, and stores like Henry Bendel and Bloomingdale's placed orders for his very revealing, sexy jersey dresses. By 1969, he was able to develop his own company named Barry Sport and open up a showroom at 537th Avenue. So basically, by 1969, he was able to say, Mama, I made it. Okay, I'm on 7th Avenue and I'm doing a thing and I'm a designer. Barry quickly became known for his matte jersey dresses and established himself as a designer of sexy, outrageous, over-the-top clothing. Now, the funny thing about this is I look at some of Scott Berry's designs and what was considered sexy back then compared to the stuff that we see um, now is absolutely nothing. (laughs) Like we have people um, showing up at red carpets with their whole nipples out. While Scott Berry's designs certainly were not that, they were definitely considered risque, but also elegant at the same time. His strength was being able to use jersey fabric, which is a very simple knit fabric um, in a sensuous and inventive way by the way that he draped and cut it. His evening wear often consisted of very skinny gowns with high splits and of course jersey slips. He was also known as a master of draping and chiffon, which was how he was able to make his dresses appear more youthful and definitely sexy. Jersey is a clingy fabric. It sticks to your body uh, and chiffon is a see-through fabric. Both of them are lightweight. So when you pair them and you drape them correctly, they are perfect for sexy looks. And that's what Barry was known for creating. He loved to dress women who were over the top. He said himself in an interview, my woman is really into clothes. She's really into herself and what she looks like. I design the kind of dresses that are very kind of special dresses. Dresses that may not appeal to the ordinary woman. They consider them kind of out. 
What he was essentially saying was that he designed dresses for women who like things out of the ordinary. He traveled around the world and across the United States and a lot of the average women would look at his clothing and think that they were too far out there. And for him, he hadn't even scratched the surface of creativity, sexiness, youthfulness, and glamour. And so he created pieces for women who understood that, who love to push the envelope, who like to stand out in a crowd, people who just go for unique things. That was what the Barry woman was. Model Naomi Sims was an avid patron of his and she always ordered her clothes in white. I don't know what that's about, but you know, giving me Lisa Ray vibes. <laughs> Another one of his devout customers was Lee Traub, who was the wife of the then Bloomingdale's president. Barry also designed ranges of loungewear, furs, and accessories and was involved in costume design, creating clothes for films and theater productions like Deuce Coop and shows like Ganja and Hess, which came out in 1973, and The Mike Douglas Show, which came out in 1961. Along with black designers like Willie Smith, Stephen Burroughs, and Arthur McGee, Scott Berry was one of the first black designers to make his mark in American fashion and become known on an international level. He stated in an interview in the November 1980 issue of Ebony Magazine that there isn't enough new black juice in fashion. Remember, we are always fighting against the system. Now y'all know I'm going to get on my soapbox and talk about his comments. I'm going to break down his comments into two parts. First, he said, there isn't enough new black juice in fashion. Of course, diversity and inclusivity has been an ongoing problem in fashion to this day. We all know that. So on that level, that comment is absolutely true. But I want to look at it on a different level because we're a platform that also celebrates black people and their contributions and I think more now in 2019 than before we have tons of new black talent the issue that we have is that they are not getting the recognition or the notoriety that they deserve the platforms aren't covering them and there's a shortage of our own platforms out there to highlight them that's why I went ahead and shouted out the Strut Magazine at the beginning of this episode because they do a great job of highlighting black talent in fashion. And I think it's important because we can be out there and we can be doing our things, but if we don't have the platforms, if we don't have the funding or the focus, nobody knows that we're out there. And it's hard to continue in that vein because we don't have the backing. That's one of the reasons why I created my platform, Black Fashion Closet, to show people all of the luxury and contemporary Black-owned brands and designers out there so we can begin to support them. Black people have trillions of dollars in purchasing power and we use a lot of that money to support brands that constantly disrespect us. And not all of them disrespect us, but it's very, there are very few non-black brands out there that pour into our community. And that's the key. We're spending lots of money outside of our community that never gets back into our community. So we're not able to build it up like we need to and create programs and resources for the people that are coming after us and legacies for ourselves. 
Now I want y'all to think about that the next time you go shopping or you get a lot of money and you want to spend it on something nice. Try to make it something nice, something black owned or created. It not only benefits the designer, but it benefits the community as a whole. Now on to the second part of Mr. Barry's statement. He said, remember, we always are fighting against the system. I think this goes back to what I was saying in last week's episode about Art Smith and how black people do not have the luxury of just minding their business or just doing what they do. There seems to be always something. And because systems in this country were created from a perspective that did not consider us and we're a minority group, we're always pushing against those systems. There's no way out of that when something wasn't created for you in mind. There always seems to be a barrier or a glass ceiling or a door that you have to push to get into. And once you get into that door, then it seems like you have to contend with a whole bunch of other stuff. And all you really want to do is mind your business and just do what you like to do. Like, do your thing. And I believe that's what Scott Berry was getting that, you know, reminding his fellow designers reminding the consumers and the audience of Ebony magazine that we're always fighting against the system. So we work hard to do the things that we love, but our existence is also a fight against the privilege system that doesn't lean in our favor. The positive thing about that though is that when we shake up something, we make it easier for other people to shake up things and walk through that door and it becomes easier and easier each generation afterwards. And so because Scott Berry and other designers that were making waves around his same time, like Willie Smith and Stephen Burroughs, who are out there on 7th Avenue, decided to shake up some things and made it easier for designers today, like Laquan Smith or Telfar Clemmings, to make their move and their way in fashion. Okay, now back to the rest of Scott Berry's story. By 1982, fashion in America had shifted away from soft, fluid designs that were the specialty of Scott Berry um, and into other styles. So Mr. Berry went ahead and headed for Europe. He was like, I ain't got time for you girls over here. I'm going across the seas. He also ceased designing under his own name and worked at a dress firm as a designer under other brands. He later began to design for the Italian design house Carizia and for the Japanese firm Kinshido in the 1990s. He was slated to develop his own brand under Kinshido. However, in 1993, at the age of 52, Scott Berry died of brain cancer. Though he's passed away, he will forever be known as a pioneer of black fashion design and the innovator of the matte jersey dress. And that's all I've got for you folks. Thanks again for listening to another installment of Black Fashion History. If you would like to know more information about Scott Berry or my sources for this episode, then make sure to check out the description on Apple Podcasts. That's where I list all of the information that I use, as well as some interesting things about Scott Berry. 
Of course, make sure to give the podcast a follow on Instagram at Black Fashion History Podcast. I will be posting photos of Scott Berry this week as well as some of those jersey dresses and sexy gowns that we talked about during this episode. And as always, if you love this episode, please do your girl a quick favor and subscribe or follow, rate us five stars, and leave a review. And of course, join me again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.